ready, Avalanche territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Mike Evans. Good to be back with you for a, another week as we jump into all things NHL and specifically the Avalanche. And as we talk right now, it's in the aftermath of a oof, embarrassing, humiliating, where did that come from, 8-3 to three loss at the hands of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, losing to Toronto is is not a bad thing. This Toronto team is stacked. The thing about Toronto is they've been stacked for years. They're kind of like when we used to have fun calling the Kansas City Chiefs September darlings because we knew they'd get off to a fast start only to break Chiefs fans' hearts come playoff time. Toronto's been like that. Toronto is a team that is just a regular season juggernaut. They are a team, they are a fantasy hockey players dream with the kind of talent that they can roll out but come playoff time they just always spit the bit they underachieve they get beat and the long decade long was it since 19 1940s early 50s since since toronto won a a stanley cup uh toronto fans are getting are getting tired of it and there's a lot of frustration around this team, but nobody can deny how talented they are and that maybe this is the year that they break through. So getting beat by Toronto is not a bad thing. Honestly, getting run out of the barn isn't necessarily the worst thing either. You know how these things work. Once it starts to snowball, things get out of hand. And the Avalanche were already kind of rocked before the game began when the news that came down that Darcy Kemper was going to be out. And, and scratched with an upper body injury. They turned to Jonas Johansson, and he gave up the eight goals on 41 shots, and the rest is history. So we'll get to that in a second. But losing to a, a team like Toronto is, is not a big, big deal. And we got we talk about this a little bit on our morning show, Schlereth and Evans, about the idea of the bullseye that is on the Avalanche backs, their sweaters, this year, and can you be merely a President's Trophy Award winner and still carry that bullseye? Can you be a team that went out in the second round of the playoffs with a with a bit of a whimper and still have a bullseye on you? I think you can. I argue you can. I think that when you look around the NHL, and if you're a team playing the Avalanche. Yeah, that's a game that you're you're gonna circle a bit. That's that's a game you're gonna get up for because you recognize that the Avalanche, maybe the results in the postseason haven't yet borne it out, but the, the Avalanche have a reputation of being a, a, a beast, of being a powerhouse, of being a perennial serious Stanley Cup contender. So the idea that a team like Toronto would say, "All right, here come the Avalanche into town." Let's bring our A game. Let's make a statement. I, I, I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair that a team like the Avalanche, are, are they the Tampa Bay Lightning? Do they carry the same kind of bullseye that the Tampa Bay Lightning carry? No. But outside the Tampa Bay Lightning, maybe there's different varying degrees of bullseyes. Okay, I'll give you. The Tampa Bay Lightning have the biggest bullseye there is out there. But then who would be the next group of teams that carry that bullseye that, 
whenever they play another team, especially in their building, you know there's going to be a little bit of added juice. Uh, I would certainly say that uh, teams, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking off the fly here off the top of my head, but I would think uh, teams like uh, teams like Boston, teams like Vegas, um, you know, teams like that 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 have a a reputation that they've built over the years that you're you're going to get their their best shots, and so the Avalanche are absolutely in that mix. And boy, they got they ran into a buzzsaw. Uh, they ran into a buzzsaw. They got beat, and you you hope that it's just one bad night that they can they can quickly move on. They were playing really good hockey before. They'd won what seven of their last eight. Now, granted, the competition wasn't stiff. The teams that they were beating, okay, and the two teams that they have lost to in the midst of this run are two pretty good teams in Dallas and and of course Toronto. So it does. It does raise the question, where is this Avalanche team right now? Are they a team that is going to be able to feast on the mediocre to bad teams in the NHL and struggle against the better teams in the NHL? We're still learning about this team. But the facts are, to this point, the evidence is, to this point, that when they do play a a tougher caliber, upper crust NHL team, it has been a struggle. And has been a struggle defensively and between the pipes. And should that really be a surprise? If you think about the questions that were being asked the most after they lost to Vegas and then with the moves that were made during the offseason, aren't, aren't we still there? Aren't we still there when it comes to questions about the goaltending? Further exasperated, uh, exacerbated, not exasperated, but it, although it can exacerbate, you know what I mean, exacerbate. It could be exasperating, too. There you go. Jeez, I sound like Schlereth right there. Um, what are we talking about? But you knew there were going to be issues between the pipes. Darcy Kemper has a lot to prove, and, and he's hurt again. And, you know, the thing about Darcy Kemper, I, I bought into the enthusiasm that came with the acquisition of Darcy Kemper, but I guess I had to be the one of the uh, lone dissenting or at least bring up some inconvenient truths, and that is, yes, this is a guy who, when healthy, has been a pretty good goaltender, but he hasn't really been able to be healthy and really string together the kind of heavy workload, number one, carry-the-burden type ace goalie that gives you that really rock-solid confidence that he's the guy to lead you to a Stanley Cup. There's a lot of potential there, and there's a lot of belief that if healthy and playing with a really good team around him, give this guy 40, 45 starts during the course of a regular season and then have him fresh and ready to go for a long playoff run, this guy can deliver the goods. It's a big if, and you're, you're banking on that but you don't have anything really solid to go on, and now he's hurt again. He's had lower body injuries before. This is an upper body injury. Hopefully it's not going to be that serious. It won't keep him out that long, and it's not yet another sign that the Avalanche are going to be uh, kind of holding their breath throughout the course of the year when it comes to uh, to, the, to the goaltending situation. But it does, it does call into question, all right, while you're dealing with some of those issues with Darcy Kemper, what are you doing when it comes to the backup goalie position and where do you go from there? There's still talk about Pavel Franzos being able to come back. Hopefully, uh, I think what 
the, the biggest issue right now that I look at with the Avs is Joe Sackett getting to a point where he's seen enough of this team to realize that there's not enough. While the core is there, while there are a lot of really good individual pieces, does he see a team, a team that is capable of going on and winning a Stanley Cup? Uh, or does he see some thinness, uh, some some lack of depth at different positions, goalie, defense, uh, bottom six forwards, that makes him say, hey, as loaded as we are with our star players, that's great. It may be the envy of the NHL, what we got is our core. But the fact is we're just not rounded out enough as a hockey team to be able to go win a Stanley Cup. Do I have to go make some moves? It's an 82-game season. It's a long season. It's going to feel even longer with the long Olympic shutdown. So I understand that right now you're not going to make any blockbuster moves. You're not going to make any moves born out of panic. You're going to let this thing develop some more. You're going to give young players a chance to show that they can grow into roles. You're just not at that point yet where you have to go out and make sweeping changes. But he's got to be thinking about it. And he's got to be looking at the early returns and wondering, do I have enough? Now, yeah, you've had Nathan McKinnon out for eight games, and that certainly hurts. And But we're confident Nathan McKinnon is going to get back to playing Nathan McKinnon-type hockey. But even then, is that enough? So that that's something to watch as we move on here deeper into the season. The good news is they banked a lot of points during that winning streak. And one bad game in Toronto uh, shouldn't signal the raising of red flags. Um, you know, again, by, by the time some of you are listening to this, you know, they may have played another couple games, and, and, and hopefully it would be a different result as they carry on through Montreal and through Ottawa and the rest of the, the, the road trip. Philadelphia, the Rangers, and, and such. So it, it's it's not at a point yet where you you worry. I think there's some concern, but if there's if there's one area that would concern me, is that the same questions that bugged me that I raised last February March about this team as they were getting ready for the playoffs. That was mainly is Philip Grubauer the goaltender to be able to take you to a Stanley Cup. Do they have enough secondary scoring? Do they have enough on defense when it comes to defense? Nobody's going to argue about the abilities of the Avalanche defensemen as offensive defensemen. That's not the issue. The concern that I raised last uh, late winter, spring, going into the playoffs was, okay, you play a team that plays heavy hockey, that leans on you, leans on your defensemen. Their goal is to chip the puck in deep and then have – their forwards go to work and really grind on these guys, do they have enough to hold up? And even though some faces have come and gone and the roster's changed over a little bit, am, do you think I'm on solid footing here? Would you argue with me? And please, let me give me your feedback on, on whether or not you disagree with me. Hit me up on Twitter at MikeEvans1043 or, of course, text me during the course of our morning show, Schlereth and Evans at uh, 303-713-1043. Uh, give me your feedback on this, but aren't the same issues that, that surrounded this team going into the playoffs and certainly with the hindsight of where they were after the loss to Vegas, are you still looking at the same kind of concerns?
I'd be curious to get your thoughts, but to me it's still the same. It's do you have a proven goaltender? Do you have enough secondary scoring, especially among your your bottom six forwards, to give you a, a boost, a lift, a, a crucial goal or two come playoff time? And are your defensemen as great as they are offensively? Do you have enough defense on your back line? I I, I think those questions were germane, were were appropriate in uh, April and May of last year, and I think they are here in November and December of of this year. You know, as an AS fan, I I love these Canadian swings. It was something that we missed out on last year. The Avs did not play the Canadian teams, and I, I miss these games against Toronto and Montreal. And it's just, I know for the players and for the Avalanche media, they love being able to go to Canada. Why not? You know, it's it's hockey. It's hockey is as pure as you'll find it. it the intensity. You, you go to a city like Montreal or Toronto, and they bring their fans, their media, they bring a Bronco-type passion and critique and just just overwhelming interest and second-guessing uh, and, and, and frustration and calls for action and firings and all that, calls for change. They bring it. In those Canadian cities. And you know for the players, it's a lot of fun because so many of them with their Canadian roots and it's a chance to go back and it's a chance to uh, feel like a kid again and go back to places and play in places, play in cities, play in arenas for teams that they followed and rooted for, rooted against as kids. They get a chance to have family and friends be able to to come to these games. It's uh, a lot of times... When they do their their uh, family trips, where let's say the dads will come along, sometimes it's for those Canadian trips, and you'll you'll see a, a couple of luxury suites decked out with Avalanche players' dads all all there and traveling with the team and eat with the team. It's it's cool. And as as somebody that grew up in an original six city, I grew up in in New England. I grew up a big Boston Bruins fan. I've always just really appreciated the the Montreal's and the the Toronto's of the world and having had a chance to spend some time occasionally in Montreal, in Toronto, just great cities. And, and you can just feel the passion for hockey. It's, it's really, honestly, it's, you think about some of the bucket list places you want to go. You know, if you're a college football fan, uh, is it, is it a bucket list item to be able to go to a, Saturday night game in Baton Rouge, you know, uh, Tuscaloosa, that kind of thing. As a football fan, is it a bucket list item to go to Lambeau or or something like that? Baseball fan, you want to go to Wrigley or Fenway or something like that. Honestly, I, I, I can't think of a better bucket list item than if you can take a look at that avalanche schedule when it comes out and, and somehow be able to swing it. And it's, you know, it, it, it's, the times that we live in right now, especially getting up and into Canada and moving around is not easy, but file this away, I guess, is what I'm saying, is that hopefully when we get back to some sense of normal, to be able to look at that avalanche schedule when it comes out and watch for that swing when they go through Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, I, I think it would be well worth your investment in time uh, as an avalanche fan, as a hockey fan, to be able to follow them through those cities and be able to go and walk around those towns 
soak up the hockey fervor, go into those arenas. And, uh, you know, they got the new buildings now, but uh, I had a chance once a long time ago to go to the old Montreal Forum. My God, I mean, you want to talk about a place where, wow, I, I, I get chills just thinking about it. The history, the the the, the feeling that you were on regal territory it's like you were you know walking into a palace or something you know that that kind of feel so i i love these swings i always look forward to uh seeing the avalanche when they go on because i know how much it means to the players toronto's result notwithstanding but also i think as a fan i think it would be a lot of fun to be able to go uh see the avalanche play in those venues it is Folks, it's hockey. It's 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 hockey as pure as it gets, man. I mean, it it really is funny because, you know, at times I think you you look at the hockey towns around this country and there's a lot of enthusiasm for hockey, but how much just deep rooted live and die uh, passion is there? A football type, a soccer type following when it comes to a particular NHL. You go to Toronto, you go to Montreal, man, it is there. It is there. One other quick uh, hockey observation, this has to deal just with what's going on in the sport in general. Did you see that the Kings forward, Brendan Lemieux, has been suspended for five games for biting Ottawa's Brady Kachuk, and Brad Marchand of the Bruins has been suspended for slew-footing a player. This, of course added on top of a previous Marshawn suspension in which he was reprimanded and disciplined for licking a guy's face. Now, this this amuses me uh, in a very ironic way in that here you've got hockey, hockey players, as rough and tough and tumble as any group of athletes out there, as straightforward, uh, honest with their approach to the game and how the game should be played. It, it takes an incredible amount of courage and an incredible amount of toughness. And it, and it tends to be a very straightforward game. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, you'll get, you'll get some cheap shots that develop in the heat of action. A guy that uh, boards a guy or elbows a guy or something like that. But I, I'm, I'm talking about it. It seems to be enough. What's the word I'm looking for? Enough honor in the game that you wouldn't see licking and biting, right? I mean, this is this is childhood stuff out on the playground. Oh, Johnny bit me. Oh, Andy licked me. <laughs> you know, ew, cooties, right? So what's the deal? Like, honestly, these are the kind of things I expect to happen in baseball. Or basketball. But it's happening in hockey. Biting. Licking. How's that happen? How in the throes of competing, playing, jostling, hitting, banging on each other, really going after each other a million miles an hour, do you decide in a moment where the whistle's blown or there's a scrum that you decide at that moment, I'm going to bite another human being. I'm going to lick another human being. Uh, that just flies in the face of what I would expect from hockey players. It's 
it's both disturbing, disappointing, and yet fascinating to me at the same time that these guys play the sport the way that they do, play the game that they the way they do, and yet find those moments where they lose themselves and decide to bite and lick. Just an observation, just something that I wanted to share. There you go. Do with it what you will. All right, that'll do it for another edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. The Avalanche, a very interesting team right now with the injuries and some of the uh, terrific performances followed by head-scratching. Where did those come from type performances? But all in all, still in good shape. I think they are still widely viewed as one of the best teams in hockey and that whatever issues they're dealing with, they'll be able to fix, play through, improve upon, and the understanding that in Joe Sackick you have somebody that knows how to push the right kind of buttons uh, to add on and uh, replenish whatever holes might be uh, popping up for the Avalanche. So we will continue to chronicle this season as it goes along. I thank you very much for tuning in. As always, would love your feedback on what you like, don't like about this podcast. What you'd like to hear more of, maybe less of, let me know. Uh, ways to reach me, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter, uh, at MikeEvans1043. Certainly hit me up during the show. Uh, you can do that during the mornings between 6 and 9 with Mark Schlereth. On the uh, text line, 303-713-1043, it can be just something as simple as, Hey, Evans, I was listening to your Mile High Hockey podcast, and let me tell you what. I see them all. I see all the texts, so... If you send it in to me, I will see it, and most times I'll, I'll get a chance to uh, respond to you either in the in the moment or uh, maybe a little bit down the line. I'll jot down your number and uh, and, re- and get back to you at another time. But I will try to respond to you if you have some some thoughts and some feedback and some constructive criticism on this uh, podcast. Again, thank you to Millennial Ben for putting it all together. We'll see you again next week with another edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast.